good to see you guys this morning. It's great to be worshiping together. I bring some good news from Chicago, the Windy City. I wasn't there, but I heard that Maurice got married yesterday. So he and Priscilla are now Maurice and Priscilla Tyler. They got married yesterday. I know a few people are out there, and uh, it's exciting to celebrate from afar over here. And then when they come back, we'll celebrate with them as well. So that's some good news. Um, if you guys have a Bible, turn over to Luke chapter 13. Then what we're going to do today is if you can hold your Bible over your head. No, I'm kidding. For about 20 seconds and then my arms are tired. So we're going to be in Luke 13. Um, uh, welcome to the Pittsburgh, Greater Pittsburgh Church of Christ. My name's James, my wife Elena. Together we help lead the Pittsburgh Church here. And um, we're, we're glad that you are here joining us today. And we've been going through the book of Luke with the idea of what does it mean to love like Jesus? So that our, our theme has been a year of loving biblically. How do we really look at what the Bible says about how to live a life of love? So we're going to continue that in Luke. But to kick things off, we're going to start with a story from the Old Testament. All right? So we're going to start with uh, a story about a king with a dream. So there was a king in about the 7th century BC, and he had a dream. He had a dream for himself and for the people that he led. And they were currently under Babylonian rule. And so they uh, got to kind of live how they wanted, but they had to pay tribute to the Babylonian empire for protection from the people around them. And that created a sense of oppression, that though they were, they, they were free to do what they wanted, they were still under the dominion of Babylon. And so he had a dream for freedom, that I want my people and I want, I want to be an actual king instead of a puppet king in this place, right? I want to be fully in charge. I want to be free of this oppressive rule from the Babylonians. And so he had an idea, let's pair up with the Babylonian uh, enemy, the Egyptians. Let's pair up with the Egyptians, and uh, if, if we can kind of create a truce with them, then we can break free from these Babylonians. And so he gathered those around him, and many around him said, that's a great idea. But there was one man who said, that is not a good idea. Not a good idea. Not how you should go. And this man stood in the way of this king's dream. He said, I have a dream, and, and it's a good dream. It's going to be great. And this, this joker kept getting in his way and saying, no, and when the king wouldn't listen, he went throughout all the towns in Judah and was started to proclaim, don't listen to this king. We should stick with Babylon. And, and, and people were upset and they weren't listening to him. And the king said, we've got to shut this negative voice out. And they, he threw him into a well or into a cistern. And so he sat at the bottom of the well and the king went forward with his dream. Later on, we'll find out if that was a good idea or a bad idea. I'll let you, uh, let you speculate there just a little bit. But we, we like the idea of someone having a dream and going after it, right? Having a dream and, and not listening to negative speech, right? Silence the voice of the negative speech in your life and do whatever you dream to do. That's a, that's a good message. It's the, the plot of every Disney movie that ever existed. Um, but we also have to ask along the way as Christians and really as God's creation— are, is our dream in alignment with God's dream? Are our desires in alignment with God's desire for us? And the ultimate question is, how do we know? How do we make sure that our desires are in alignment with the desires 
of God. And so that's the question we're going to tackle today. How, how can we be certain? How can we really fight to make sure that our desires are in alignment with God's desires? So we're going to be in Luke 13. And uh, it's just a short passage today. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of probably one of the shorter passages I've ever preached on, really. But it's this interaction of Jesus with some Pharisees, right? So verse 31, it says, um, at, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Seems like a pretty logical reason to leave, right? He replied, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. And then he turns. Jerusalem. And he changes who he's speaking to, right? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as the hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus has this interaction. The Pharisees, they kind of want him out of there. And we don't know what their motives are in this particular instance, but they want him out of that area. They say, Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus says, no, 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 go tell that fox. And I'm sure the disciples are like, oh, Jesus, what is that? You know, like this rap battle going back and forth. I was going to try to demonstrate it, but I changed my mind. But anyway, so they're like, oh, did you hear that? He called him a fox. And he wasn't calling Herod sneaky, by the way, because Herod was known as not being very bright. But he was saying, go tell that fox, basically that powerless predator, right? That, that He's not one of the lions. He's not one of the big dogs. He's just a puppet of the uh, Roman Empire, right? Go tell that fox, that joker, he's got no power here, right? So I'm going to keep on doing what I've been doing, and I'm going to accomplish the task. And yeah, I'm going to die, but it's going to happen where I want it to happen, right? And so he, he presents his desire, which is to actually go into Jerusalem and to save Jerusalem or to gather Jerusalem up. And so what we have here is a battle. Well, the, the um, title today is A Love That Welcomes. Haven't done slides in a while. Wanted to do something cool. It's pretty cool, right? A little, little spin. I don't think you appreciate it. I'm going to go back and really let you. A Love That Welcomes. Whoa! Whoa! All right, all right. <laughs> Thank you. If you need help with uh, PowerPoint, don't come to me. Amen. <laughs> but uh, the title today is A Love That Welcomes. Because how are we going to face the, the voice of the prophet. We have two options, and that's what Jesus says here. He goes, how often are you going to stone the prophets? How are you going to kill the prophets in your life? He said, it's better at the end, when I come again, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. I'm going to come again, welcome me in. So we have a choice when we're faced with the voice of the prophet in our life, to welcome them or to throw stones at them, right? And so the idea is to love Jesus means having a love that welcomes others are welcome to that. So the first point, though, is a battle of wills or a battle of desires. So you got Herod. Herod wants to kill Jesus. And then you got Jesus. Jesus wants something else. And we know he wants something else because Jesus in this passage lays bare the heart of God so intimately, right? He says, how I have longed to gather you up like my children. He doesn't just say, yeah, I want to go to Jerusalem. I have a task to get done. 
The words he uses are so poignant. He even says Jerusalem twice, which is a way of, of exclaiming seriousness. Jerusalem! Jerusalem! That's, that's, that's powerful. Harry! Harry! There's, there's this heart that, that's embedded in that, this, this intensity. He goes, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, please. I long to gather you. If you are with me as your mother hen, you will be safe. But how often do you reject the love I'm trying to give to you? You see his heart just laid bare. And it's really cool that Jesus describes his heart as a mother hen. Of all animals, of all the different things, and, and you see this often in the Bible, God relates his heart towards his people, of course in a parental way, but not always in a father to a child, but in a mother as well. And you might know some mama bears, right, or some, some mama hens who, who have this intense love to gather their children. And this is what, what Jesus is saying is at the heart of God, this intensity to love their children. You know, we have some amazing moms in the church here who every once in a while you see them kind of gathering the chicks, right? You know, or they, they see something maybe off in the distance or they're a little bit concerned or, you know, standing by the roads and the dads are just talking and they're oblivious. Just kidding, they're not oblivious, but to the moms, they seem oblivious. And then the cars are coming and the moms just have this radar, right? They're like, nope, come on in. Come on in, I'm the mother hen, I got you. Because there's this protective instinct. There's this deep care. There's this way that God has designed, even, even uh, chemically, right? There's, when when a, a mom has a new baby, there's a, a hormone increase of oxytocin, which is called the love hormone, right? Where there's this intense affection. There's also, I'm going to mess it up, but corticotropin releasing hormone. And this, I'm sure I messed it up, but it also releases a sense of, I need to protect. And so God, who designed our hormones, by the way, says, I feel that feeling towards you. How intimate, how caring, how incredible that God relates himself to a mother hen in this way. And even hens, specifically hens, not just moms in general, but mother hens are known for protecting their young, for gathering them up. And there's stories, you might have heard them before, of, of you know, a mother hen, you know, covering up the chicks from fire and taking on the fire herself. And, and you might be thinking about chicken wings. Don't think about chicken wings right now, but, but there's something powerful about that. Or I read a story recently about a mother hen um, frantically trying to get her chicks under her wings in a, in a uh, snowstorm. So in a barn, frantically trying to get all the chicks. If I can just protect them, they'll be safe. But if they're outside of my wings, they will die. And so there's this frantic, uh, the, the farmer was describing it as, as this just intense, anxious, but uh, the right kind of anxious, right? An anxious, frantic, I got to bring you in mentality. And that's God's heart for you. God wants you with him. You want to know God's desire for your life? It's for you to be with him. And that's, that's all. Now he's got dreams for you and, and things he wants you to do. But the, the basic, right, is he wants you to be with him. Above anything else, for you to be with him. And all the prophets and all the messengers in the Old Testament, when they were calling back Israel, this was the message they had. Come back to God. Come back to your father. Come back to the authority of God in your life. That's his heart for us. This is his desire. But sometimes we have our own desire, right? We have our own will. And I, I don't think most of us are like, I'm not going to do the will of God. But we have our own will, and it kind of overshadows the will of God, right? 
And even in the, the story of the chicks that I was reading, the, the idea was that some of the chicks came in, but some chicks didn't. They were distracted by something else out there. They didn't want to reject the mother, but there was something, literally something shiny off in the distance. The farmer came back and found about eight of those chicks dead because they wouldn't go under the protection of the mother. And the chicks that did come under were saved. And so we know that God's desire is for us to be with him and to be protected. But we also know that sometimes our desire for something else can overshadow that or overpower that. And so how do we make sure that our desires are aligned with God's desires? Well, I think Jesus in this passage hints at an answer. And that is that we must welcome the prophet. We must welcome someone in our life or multiple people in our life that, that can help look from the outside in at our life and say, hey, this is God's desire for you. And to help you see, is it in alignment? Much like you would take your car into the shop, right? Is my car in alignment? And you might be able to tell while you're driving. You might not be able to tell. And they'll tell you at the shop, it's out of alignment. And you do the necessary work. We need prophets in our life. We must welcome the prophet. We cannot afford to be a non-profit church, right? We're a non-profit, P-R-O-F-I-T entity. But we can't afford to be a non-profit church. There, there's a, th those are a dime a dozen. There are plenty of churches full of love doing incredible things, but that aren't involved in each other's lives. I can't afford that. I need you in my life. I'm trying to make it to heaven. And without you guys in my life being prophets, that ain't happening. I need you desperately. And we need each other. We can't afford to be a non-profit um, church. That's the second point. I didn't really have points today, but I had slides, so I had to come up with points. But we can't afford to be a non-profit church. Because Jesus gives two options. He says, you know, you either stone the prophets in your life or you welcome them. So let's talk about what a prophet is. Because Jesus is saying, I'm a prophet. But he's also saying, Jerusalem, you've killed all these prophets. If you're familiar with your, your Bible, or even if you open it, odds are if you open it in the middle, you're going to land on one of the prophets, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel was a prophet. You got Joel. You got some of the minor prophets, which they, they hope to hop up to the majors later, but uh, they didn't quite make it. It's just a joke. Um, you got Elijah. So you got these prophets, and their job was to be a representative of the voice of God. Oftentimes we think about a prophet as, okay, they're, they're prophesying, right? You got the, the crystal ball, and that's kind of our idea of prophecy. But a prophet's job was just, here's God's will for your life. Listen up. And, um, and sometimes that involved, if you don't do this, here's the destruction that's coming. But that was from God, right? And so a, a prophet today is someone sharing the heart of God and calling you to align with his desires. It's not complicated. Someone in your life who's sharing the heart of God with you and calling you to align with his desires. That's what Jesus is doing here with the Pharisees and other people. And that's hopefully what other people are doing in our lives. And by the way, it can be someone younger than you. It could be someone a lot younger than you. It could be someone older than you. Someone in a different stage of life. Someone who hasn't experienced what you've experienced. All those kinds of people can be prophets in our life. At the same time, just because someone's a Christian doesn't mean what they're saying is actually the voice of a prophet. And that's a little bit tricky. We can't get into all of that, but, but I know that there, there are times in our life where we've, we've um, opened ourselves up to people helping us, and sometimes we've gotten hurt. And so instead of learning from that and figuring out how to grow, we tend to uh, just stop going to prophets, right? 
we get the well out and we say, hey, why don't you, why don't you prophets hang out in the well over here, right? And because and, I'm safer, you know, at no risk, right? If I don't risk it, then I don't have to worry about that. But Jesus knew there were bad prophets at times. Even the Pharisees weren't doing what they were called to do. But he says, but turn to the right prophets, to people that are calling you back to the word of God, calling you back to be with me in the shelter of my wings. And a great, a great rule of thumb to help you have lots of prophets in your life is to have lots of people, right? Sometimes if we just have one and we just have one person, we tend to find the people that align with our desires already, right? And so mix it up. Have people with different experiences in your life to help you. And be known. Share, share your life. That's one of the scariest things to do, but one of the most important things we can do as a Christian is to allow ourselves to be known what's really going on and not just stay at the surface level, not just hang out at, at politics or world events. Who cares about that? Let's get real. What's going on in our hearts? That's what's going to change the world around us is getting at our hearts. The world has changed one heart at a time. So we got to deal with what's below the surface. And then we always got to bring it back to the word. There's, there's no prophet of God. And by the way, I'm not saying, okay, this is a prophet, that's a prophet. I'm just saying the prophet is someone who's bringing you back to the word. It's not someone, they're not going to, someone who's not sharing what the word has to say. It's, it's not coming from the voice of God. It's their own opinion, which can be helpful, but it's not the voice of a prophet. Does that make sense? There's lots of great advice and things out there. But one of the things that can help us really listen to the voice of the prophet or have a love that welcomes that into our life is to be appreciative. Think in your life, at times in your life, where someone was willing to say maybe something challenging, but something you needed to hear, something you didn't see. I'm sure there are times that you're very grateful for someone willing to step in and do that. I know I am. I'm grateful for it. You know, 10 years ago, uh, 12 years ago, someone sharing with me, maybe 13 years ago sharing, dude, you are such a flirt. Stop talking to all these girls and, and all this stuff. And I said, no, no, I'm not. And they're like, yes, you are. And they were totally right. And, and Elena knew it. <laughs> and she, she wasn't interested until after I changed. Amen. But, but I needed someone to say, you, you're, not, you're not treating women the right way. I needed that voice and I'm grateful for it. You know, even this past week, I was talking with Matt Hogan at lunch, and we were just talking about life and sharing some things, and he just reminded me to, to uh, turn to Jesus, to, to let uh, him bear the yoke that I was feeling. Man, I needed that, the voice of the prophet. It doesn't have to be negative, by the way. It's just someone in your life who's willing to bring you back to God's word and to align your desires with his. But even in a deeper way, I, I talked to a, a brother last week, and uh, he shared with me a hurt that he felt for me. And that's always tough, right? Because most of us do not desire to hurt people. I, I've yet to meet maybe one or two people in my life that actually desire to hurt other people. It's typically not intentional, right? But then you hurt somebody and they're still feeling it. And so you've got to figure out, well, what could I have done differently? But he shared a way that I hurt him. I shared some news that, that wasn't really mine to share. And I thought, well, I can't... And that's where we get to, right? Sometimes when we feel like the voice of the prophet is calling us to something, we, we know what we want to say, but what we shouldn't say. And so we just are quiet and thinking and we have all these defenses in our heads. And I was feeling all of that. And then I paused for a second and I tried to figure out, okay. And I talked to some other, other brothers in my life. Why, why did I do that? It seems something small, but it did hurt him. And I realized I did it because of my self-absorption. You know, I wanted to promote myself or share something. I didn't, wasn't thinking about him when I shared this news. I was thinking about me. And 
it's easy to let that just be like, oh, well, he's too sensitive. He shouldn't have been bothered. Instead of, okay, how is God using this to help me see something in my character to help me be more like Christ? And how could I turn that down? How could I turn down the voice of God through another person being hurt, saying, come gather under my wings. I want you to be with me. I have a desire for your life. So one of the ways that we can appreciate or welcome the voice of the prophet is just to be grateful, to be grateful for the the people in our life that are willing to share these things. Elena's going to share about that just a little bit. Good morning. I just realized that this is a journal that Chandrika gave me. Um, She's been a great prophet in my life, just sharing her life with me. So I thought that was really cool. But um, I think about a time recently in my life where I was not welcoming the prophets. I was going through some grief, some loss of relationships, and really having a hard time even figuring out, how do you grieve? Um, How do you do that with God? And how I did it before was I would be like, well, that hurt me, so I'm going to self-protect. I'm going to put up my defenses, put up the walls. I'm going to shut people out of certain areas of my life. And God really opened my eyes to see that this self-protection was really hurting me. Um, I was guarding myself from connection, from deep relationships, and from helpful repentance, too. So entrusting myself to God has meant for me opening myself up to relationships again, being seen, being known, being vulnerable. Um, And then that was very scary at first and still can be, for sure, but the refreshment that comes from repentance is, is unlike anything else. Um, and like James said, they're not all Christians in our life um, are prophets. Some speak fear rather than speaking God's word and God's desires. Um, instead of calling you to align with his desires, they just don't want you to get into something that is scary to them. And I've experienced that myself, and regretfully, I have done that to others, too. And experiencing this can cause hurt or can harm us, too, can leave some scars. And it can really skew our view of God and his desires for us. Um, and I'm currently learning, with, with the help of others, um, how to like, disentangle that, deconstruct some views that I have of God and of others um, and of his desires for me, detangling these messages of fear Um, that I've heard about what God's truth is and his word. And this is, again, hard work, but this has really brought me deeper and deeper into my understanding of God and his character and his love for me. And it's really brought me closer to other relationships with other friends to, like, as we're doing this together. You know, I want to be open to God's message. I want to be open to hearing God's word in my life and his desires for my life. I don't want grief and pain to continue to close me off to that, um, this life-giving message that God can give me. Thanks for letting me share. It's cool to think that God is, is using people in our life to help us dig a little bit deeper, to see what's really going on. And, and sometimes there's mistakes that are made. But let's not silence the voice of the prophet as a result of those mistakes. Instead, see the heart of God and continue to, to grow and to want to be a, um, a, a prophet-filled church, right? A, a church that, that loves that and needs that. You know, too often we become like the king in the story at the beginning. You might have been able to read between the lines, but that was a king who sounded like he was doing something great, but he was going against God's will. And the one person that stood up to him was the prophet Jeremiah. 
right? And how was Jeremiah repaid? He was tossed into the cistern, right? Or I'm sure he was thinking about broken cisterns when he wrote that later, right? But, but Jeremiah was, was willing to say the hard thing, but the king was unwilling to listen. He was stuck in his own desires. He suffered from something called confirmation bias, which is essentially where you gather people around you to say what you want to hear, right? Like, Sam, say something to me. Yeah, this is a new shirt. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I hear what I want to hear. He just complimented my shirt, right? No, he just said hi. Anyway, <laughs> whatever. That was a bomb. But, but we have this tendency to hear what we want to hear, right? And if we're not hearing it, we turn the volume down on that and we go find someone else to hear what we want to hear. Instead, if we'll be rooted to say, what is God trying to show me? How is God trying to allow these prophets to help me see something new so that I can be with him in the shelter of those wings? You know, it, it's a... Uh, Oh, here's a quote, by the way, from a, a Greek philosopher from the 4th century. He said, For it is a habit of mankind to entrust careless hope. Uh, let, me, let me put it on the screen so you can follow along. For it is a habit of mankind to entrust to careless hope what they long for and to use sovereign reasoning to thrust aside what they do not fancy. This is in the 4th century. This has been the way of humankind forever, right? That we, we step aside the things we don't want to hear and uh, the things that we don't fancy. We don't use that word quite as much anymore. But we put that aside and, uh, and, and look for what we want to find. You know, um, we were out at camp last, last week as well. We weren't at teen camp, but there was a uh, campus ministry conference out there. And we were also going through the story of the Bible. And uh, we, we had a, a couple from Richmond do some dinner theater. And so we were all eating in the, the great hall and we were getting to the, the teaching on the prophets. And so what they did, instead of doing a lesson, here's what the prophets said, they acted out the prophets. But the title was called, They Hated the Prophets. And so they had selected people in, at dinner to shout, you know, what gives you the right to tell us what to do? And to shout kind of hateful, rejecting things. And... Um, it was a really weird experience because what do we do in church, right? Amen, bro, you got this. And even if I make a joke that lands flat, you're like, amen, we're still here to listen. And amen, we love God, so we love you and, and whatever, right? But then sitting in a room full of people like jeering at someone reading scripture and reading the voice of the prophets. At first I was there like eating the popcorn, like, oh, this is really interesting. And then I just started feeling it. Like, man, this, this is what I do. There's, there's people in my life that try to point out what's right. And I don't say it out loud. I'm not throwing physical rocks. But internally, I'm breaking it down to be something I want to hear instead of the voice of God in my life. I get really good. And for a long time, I was really good at sharing just enough of my life to not raise eyebrows, but so that people knew a part of me and wouldn't ask deeper questions. And I, I was great at it. And as a result, I, I did it so that I wouldn't have to realign my desires. I could keep doing what I wanted to do, had a sense of openness, but had stuff going on and stuff I was feeling that just remained unchecked. I'm grateful for the, the men of God, the women of God who stepped in and helped me at that time. I don't want to drop prophets into wells. I don't want to do that. And we don't do that, again, to someone's face, but we do it in our heads, right? They're, they're down in the well and, our, and, and we stop going to people, right? Especially when we think we know what they might say. And we don't give them a chance to speak the word of God into our life. Anyway, I don't think any of us want to do that, by the way. I think we're a church here that, that is striving. You're here largely because 
You've allowed the voice of the prophet in your life to help you align your life with God's word. And you're still here because that's what you desire as well. So it's not a matter of a lack of desire, but I think there's things that come in and, and take away from this voice of the prophet in our life. As Elena shared about, sometimes it's our bad experiences. Sometimes it's just we want things to stay the same. We just, we don't want change. We don't want the disruption that the voice of the prophet will bring into our life. Things aren't good, but they might get worse. So let me just, let me just keep things as they are. Sometimes it feels like there are no prophets. Man, I would love for someone to challenge me. I would love for someone to call me higher. Well, maybe they're not because you've actually pushed them away. Maybe you're not as receptive to challenge in your life as you thought you might have been. And so they've stopped coming. One of the things that can keep us as well is that we just dismiss the voice altogether and we go off of ourselves. We kind of like to stream prophets. What I mean by this is um, it, it's the Pandora effect, right? There's a time where uh, you turn on the radio or a CD and you play, play songs that you want, but you're kind of stuck with certain selections, right? And then now you can stream whatever you want. And uh, Pandora, though, I think Pandora still works this way. It's still like the radio, right? So you can get free Pandora. I don't know how it works necessarily, but free Pandora, but you have to listen to whatever song. And you can select your own stations, but you have to listen to whatever comes up. But if you have Spotify or something else, you just go and pick whatever song you want. And so that's kind of what we do with the voice of the prophet in our life. Instead of allowing the voices that are there, we're like, okay, what do I want in my life? Nope, don't like that song, thumbs down. And we, we, kind, of, we kind of have our own selection in our mind. Wow. Brothers and sisters, we can't afford to be a nonprofit church. We've got to learn to love that God uses people. That's his, been his way from the beginning. Right? We would love for, pe- for God to step in, and we would do it, right? If God said, do this or don't do this, we'd be like, all right, you got me. But if a person says the same thing with Scripture and with the voice of God, we're like, how dare you come into my life? But this is how God has always worked. He uses people and praise God. And it's so cool that someone like me or someone like you, as broken and messed up as we are, no offense, we can be used by God to help each other. How cool is it that that's God's plan for his people? It's amazing. I'm just, I'm just gushing over God and, and his, his, um, all his detailed planning that he knows that the best thing for us is to hear from one another. Because God wants us to be gathered up, but he knows the best way for that to happen is for us to be prophets in each other's lives. So a practical challenge for us today is simply this, initiate. I think, again, we're, we're, we're fine with sitting and maybe waiting for someone to initiate with us, but initiate and say, what do you see? What am I missing? What's something you see? Maybe a spouse, maybe a roommate, maybe a friend, maybe someone who you know they probably have something to say and go find them out. Say, hey, is there something you see in me that that, that I need to see to be more like Jesus? Like, how could that go wrong, by the way, to be more like Jesus? Might be hard, but how could it be wrong? Amen? And so, what am I missing? And initiate. By the way, this lesson is not about being prophets in each other's lives. It's about receiving prophet speech from each other, right? We're going to talk on Wednesday about how to be prophets in each other's lives and have compassion and honesty and all of that. But this isn't about being the prophet. It's about receiving that and welcoming the prophet in our life. So just initiate. If you need help remembering it, just think two, four, six, eight, I will initiate. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but we got to welcome, or as this passage ends with, we got to bless the, uh, bless is he who comes in the name of the Lord and really believe that 
that that person is blessed, and, and we get to decide if they're blessed or not, right? That's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, oh, they're great because they come in the name of the Lord. He said, you have a choice. Welcome them, bless them, or reject them. And so the onus is on us to make sure that we're welcoming that voice. And the last thing I'll say about this passage that I think is so cool is that in it is Herod's strong will, and in it is the Israel's strong will to resist prophets, right? But you also see Jesus' strong will. Look at, look at the terminology that he uses. He says, go tell that fox. So he's, he's already in like a, a posture of, I'm set on this mission. I will keep on driving out demons. I'm going to keep going. That's persevering language. And then later he says, in any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. Jesus' desire is strong for us. We got to let it be stronger than our desire for something other than Jesus, right? But his desire for us is strong, even when we're choosing our own will. He wants to gather Jerusalem, the very people that are going to kill him. Even when we're off and out of alignment, he still is persevering and has a strong desire to see us in the fold. That's his heart for us. He presses on. He longs for us to be with him. And what's cool is that as we choose to welcome the prophets in our life, when we get to heaven, we'll receive that rich welcome from him. The welcome he's been longing to give to us. And so we have something incredible to celebrate in Christ and to imitate. And that is a love that welcomes. Amen. Amen.